Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Highlight reel one by Williams. Down the sideline, Williams. Chased by Gamble. 20, 10. What a run. Touchdown. Spectacular run. Here's the fake. Meyer looking. Meyer finding the other tight end. Irv Smith touchdown. Five fire rocket touchdown. Irish. Here's your host. Darren Pritchett. Well, the Irish are now 1-2. They turn back California 31-24 at the stadium on Saturday. And now they get set to take on a North Carolina team averaging 50 points per game over their first three contests. And they have a lot of offensive skill. Yeah, they played Florida A&M and Georgia State, but they had one whale of a game with Appalachian State. In week number two, Tyler Horka is the Notre Dame football beat reporter at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. And he is also my co host for Game Day Sports Beat, powered by Michelob Ultra, which occurs every game day Saturday, including this Saturday. Tyler will be broadcasting his portion of the show from Chapel Hill, as we will be on the air from 12 until 2 30. So, Tyler, thank you so much for the time. Greatly appreciate it. I guess let's just start with your perspective on Notre Dame figuring out a way to win this game. I mentioned at the start of the program, I'm going to try to make everybody happy today because the average fan might be just happy. Hey, they won a game, thank goodness. The diehard might be saying, okay, they won the game, I'm happy, but Cal's not that good and we still should be playing a whole lot better. How do you kind of put into words the meaning of this victory for the Irish? I think at this point, you have to look at the season with a bit of a curve or maybe the expectations you realize aren't what they were They were at the beginning of the year. You have to alter the way that you look at it after an 0-2 start. And maybe you weren't doing that after the loss to Ohio State because I think Notre Dame yep. did enough good things in that game to say, okay, maybe we're not so far off if that team is – destined to be in the college football playoff and we played them within 11 points and if our offense gets a little bit better then we're right there I think that's why you saw Notre Dame stay in the top 10 in the polls but when then you lose to a Marshall team at home that the very next week loses to Bowling Green which is not a very good transitive look for Notre Dame in that sense and I know we're only three weeks in so everyone's kind of obsessed with the transitive property things but man that I you have to look at the season with uh, changed expectations. And if you do that, then I think you lean more toward Saturday's win over Cal being a, a very good thing because you look at that betting line. It started at 17.5 over the <laughs> summer, dropped all the way to 10. It was under double digits at some point. So everybody knew it was going to be a pretty close game. And Notre Dame goes out and wins by a touchdown. And defensively, you know, there were some things that you'd like to have back, but at the end of the day, you only give up 17 points. And offensively, you're starting a quarterback for the very first time again for the second time in, in three games. So I don't think there was 
much to expect offensively with Drew Pine starting and the offensive line looking shaky early and the wide receivers not being much of a threat at all, but somehow you managed to make enough plays, and Drew Pine did that. The, the touchdown pass to Michael Mayer was awesome. The couple of passes before that, he moved the chains on third down to Lorenzo Styles, and then hit Estime over the middle on the catch and run. So Pine made enough plays. The running game got going enough. And then, like I said, I don't think the defense was, was all too bad. Now, like you said, all of that is against the Cal team that – I don't know, might end up 6-6 six and six in a really cruddy Pac-12. <laughs> That's not a very good football team over there. But, you know, I don't want to say Notre Dame is not a very good football team, but they're definitely not as good as everyone thought they would be. So at this point, I think it has become a season in which you have, you have got to look at every single win as a good thing, and Notre Dame finally got one this past Saturday. We all agreed that the Ohio State offensive game plan was extremely conservative. Personally, I called the Cal offensive game plan simple, which to me is different than conservative. I don't believe they asked Drew Pine to do a whole lot in this game. He was not going to put the offense on his back because they just did not have him throw the football down the field hardly at all. As you look ahead into the coming weeks, it sure looks like, Tyler, if you're going to win some of these more marquee games against a Carolina Clemson, you're going to have to score some points. Do you see the possibility that when the handcuffs are taken off a little more, we will see Drew Pine to be able to run this offense at a fairly high level? Uh, I would say yes and no. It's a scary proposition if you're Notre Dame because – Marcus Freeman said today, we don't want to get into a shootout with North Carolina, and I'm pretty sure everybody in the Goob doesn't want to get in a shootout with North Carolina. But then, going along the lines of what you said, you kind of do want to open it up no matter who you're playing, and North Carolina just so happens to be the next team on the schedule. So, Drew Pine only threw three of his 23 pass attempts more than 10 yards downfield. I mean, that sounds like we're playing football in the 1940s. Uh, and this is 2022, so you got to look downfield at some point. But I'll ask you, who, who's Notre Dame going to look downfield to right now? Mm. They tried the Braden Lindsay thing when Tyler Buckner was still healthy, and we saw, you know, four or five attempts in the Marshall game alone that didn't that Braden Lindsay didn't come up with, and now some of that was on Buckner, but I think some of that is on Lindsay too. So the wide receivers have to get better, and they they have to prove that it's worth throwing the ball downfield because we could sit here all day and say Notre Dame needs more of a vertical element. Notre Dame needs to get downfield. Notre Dame needs to stretch the defense. All of those things are true. Nobody is denying that. But I think the real question is, can Notre Dame effectively do that right now? And I think Drew Pine has the arm for it. But right now this offense just is not operating at a level with its wideouts that lends itself to, to going downfield. So I mean, if they get behind North Carolina, they're going to be forced to go downfield a little bit because the the RPO stuff and a lot of the screen passes, I think all that was awesome. That, that's going to beat Cal probably nine out of the ten times you play the Bears. But is that going to beat North Carolina nine out of the ten times you play the Tar Heels? I'm not sure. So, yes, Notre Dame needs to open it up. But right now the Irish need to be asking themselves, how are we going to do that? And can we even do that? They've got to get better in that aspect in a hurry. 
Might start seeing a little bit more of Tobias Merriweather, by the way things sound. He's Tyler Horka, the Notre Dame football beat reporter at Blue and Gold Illustrated. Read all about it at blueandgold.com. I don't, I don't know how much you put into the grades that Pro Football Focus delivers every week, but according to their numbers from the Cal game of the 19 offensive players they graded, the top three were offensive linemen. For the second straight week, left tackle Joe Alt was the most productive offensive player, according to Pro Football Focus. No surprise who was second, Jared Patterson. Maybe a lot of people would be surprised that Zeke Carell, the center, was graded at number three. Maybe as surprising, Blake Fisher, the right tackle, was 18th. Now, I don't know what goes into their grading. I'm not here to try to figure out how they come up with all this, if they're right or wrong. But that's one way of analyzing the offensive line because that's one of the more difficult things to do because we don't have stats that we can look at. Do you feel like the offensive line took steps forward. And part two of my question is, the run game numbers don't look great at 3.6, but Cal came into this game trying to stop the run, and if you're not going to get the ball down the field, that's probably going to keep the rushing numbers down, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And to the first part of your question, I think the Notre Dame offensive line is is what it is right now. It's a little bit inconsistent. You have the guys like Joe Alt, Jared Patterson. Who would you expect? to play very well and they did and Zeke Carell probably had his best of the game of the season and that's an encouraging thing but then uh, you know Blake Fisher struggled a little bit and I know he's probably maybe the most talented guy or the, or the guy you would say has the most upside on the Notre Dame offensive line but that was his fifth game of his career to start and he's showing signs of a guy who's trying to learn on the fly a little bit and you know it's not like he was able to to practice through all of the games that he missed last year. I mean, he was standing on the sideline because he underwent a knee procedure and, you know, he, he was physically limited. So all of those things kind of add up and, and he's struggling a little bit. And that right side of the line is struggling a little bit just in general. I think Josh Lug can, can play much better and he needs to play much better for Notre Dame. But you are a little bit um, encouraged by what happened on the left side of the line. I think Joe Alts is, is getting better by the game and, you know, he's a guy that came on strong last year in, in a way that Fisher wasn't able to because of that injury. So you're, you're seeing kind of the disparity in those two sophomores and what an entire half of, you know, half a season of football was able to do for Alt. And then, yeah, the, the running game looked a lot better. I think there was a lot of push. I mean, this was a, a power five team that Notre Dame was up against. So and even though Marshall came in here and beat Notre Dame, technically they were probably playing a little bit better of athletes against Cal and, and you're going up against a Cal defense led by Justin Wilcox that, you know, kind of likes to hang its hat on that side of the ball. So all of those things considered, I think it was a pretty good day for the Notre Dame offensive line. Could be better. It's still an inconsistent unit, but you're starting to see some of the things that you think Notre Dame could be doing really well in October and November when this season, when this team wants to be playing its best football. And, of course, Marshall lost at Bowling Green in overtime 34-31 to a Bowling Green team that had not won a game going into the matchup against Marshall. That's just college football being college football. One more offensive question before we shift to defense. I know you asked Coach Freeman this today about any chance you kind of dust off the old Ohio State game plan where it was run, 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 trying to keep Ohio State off the field? Well, here's a Carolina team averaging 50 points per game 
what type of answer did you get from Marcus? And give me your cliff note version of your answer for that, because I know we're going to talk quite a bit about that on game day on Saturday. Yeah, basically, he, Marcus Freeman said that the, the circumstances are all unique week to week. And yes, Ohio State and North Carolina maybe do some things similarly. And just the amount of yards and points that they both pile up, which is a lot for both of them. But, you know, Notre Dame needs to, to think of itself in this, at this point. I think, um, you know, it knows the person that is sending out there. It's going to be Drew Pine once again. And does Drew Pine want to get into a shootout? We talked about that a little bit earlier. Probably not. But at some point, you, you kind of have to look at who's on the other side of the field as well and say, okay, Rick May is a guy that is putting up a touchdown pretty much every drive at this point. And what do we have to do to combat that? Well, Marcus said, you know, it's not all about our offensive game plan that's going to kind of make or break to be the difference in this game. It's can the defense get some stops? Can the defense get a turnover that it didn't against <laughs> Ohio State? Yeah. You know, Notre Dame is going to have to score more than 10 points to beat anybody. I said here, I said it on our pregame show. You know, I've, I've pretty much told everybody that when, when I'm having conversations about Notre Dame football. So it, it, it's got to be complimentary. Both sides of the ball have to be operated effectively. But I, I do think that at this point we know enough about Notre Dame and Notre Dame might know enough about it, itself to say, yeah, I think we have to conjure up a specific game plan depending on who we're playing because maybe the one that they put out there against Cal, which you said simple, doesn't get it done against a team like North Carolina. And you have to remember, North Carolina's defense, for as good as its offense is, Carl's defense is yeah. very susceptible to giving up big plays and a lot of points. So maybe you get a little bit more aggressive knowing who you're facing. So that, that kind of wraps up everything I just said right there. Know your foe, and, yeah, your, your game plan is going to change depending on the opponent because Notre Dame does not have a prolific offense that can go out against anybody in the country and say, we're just going to play our game and we're going to beat you. I think we've seen enough through three games to know that, yeah. you know, there's going to have to be a little bit of a game plan involved, especially when you're going up against a team that can score like North Carolina. He's Tyler Horkin, Notre Dame football beat reporter, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. You kind of cut up throughout your answer there, so I don't know if you shifted seats, maybe hold up a water bottle, change something, because it was a little, little crackly there, so we'll try it again with this particular question answer. But I wanted to go defensive-minded thoughts for a couple of moments, including your reaction to Ben Morrison getting the start over Clarence Lewis at one of the cornerback spots. Is this a game-specific decision or is this something that you feel like will be the norm going forward okay i just took my ear my earphones out because i already said i was cutting up and yeah we have all this technology now but sometimes <laughs> the technology doesn't really want to work for us so, so i heard you talking about uh, benjamin morrison starting over clarence yeah. lewis and then there was a the second part of your question do you feel like that's going to be the norm or was that a game specific decision yeah, I'm not so sure if that was a game-specific decision because, yeah, Cal had some guys that you're a little bit scared of, and, and Sturdivant, who, by the way, went to my high school, which is which hmm. is a pretty cool thing back in North Texas, but he was matched up with Cam Hart all day, and if that was your most worrisome matchup, then you know you, you left one of your starters out there in the first place. So I, I think this is more of a, a personnel thing, and I, I think they really like the, the confidence that Morrison has, and doesn't really matter who they're going up against. You're going to see this kid play. And um, North Carolina, Josh Downs is going to be healthy, and, and they've got a lot of guys that they can throw at 
Notre Dame. So I think you're going to see the healthy rotation defensive backs once again. And Clarence Lewis, uh, Marcus Freeman was not, you know, shy to talk him up in the press conference today too. And he said, yeah, he didn't get the start, which snapped a, a streak of 19 straight starts, which is one of the longest on the team. Might have been the longest on the team. I need to take a double look at that. So that's pretty nuts to go back to his freshman year where he started six games and then he started all 13 games last year and played the most snaps. And here you have a true freshman taking that away from him. But he came in. I think he had a pass breakup. He was, you know, there to make multiple plays. I think Clarence Lewis has had a rebound type of season. Benjamin Morrison is obviously really confident and playing really well for only being three games into his college career. So you've got a couple guys right there that you really like. I think Jaden Mickey, I mean, they tested him against Ohio State, obviously. I think Morrison has been the better of those two. So you've got three corners in your rotation that you really like. But I think Mickey needs to get to a place where he can spell Hart a little bit more because, you know, they went at Cam Hart last week and, and it worked for Cal for a little while there. So I think Notre Dame wants to get to a point where it has four corners that it really, really trusts. And yep. right now, Lewis and Morrison are, are two of those and they're kind of interchangeable. We entered this season knowing that C.J. Stroud and Caleb Williams were going to be hands full, handfuls at the quarterback position playing against the Irish defense. I'm not sure the expectations of Derek May of North Carolina was going to be in that classification, and maybe he's still not at that particular level, but my goodness, Tyler, this guy is playing at a high level. He stood and watched Sam Howell last year at North Carolina, former Alabama commit. He's doing it all right now for this Carolina offense. So how would you assess the problems that Notre Dame could have with this quarterback on Saturday? I think they could have a lot of problems. And you just go watch his game tape, obviously, and then you watch his interviews. And you just can't help but be really impressed by this redshirt freshman who, yeah, like you said, learned from what a lot of people were calling one of the better college quarterbacks in the last two, three years in Sam Howell. And now he's coming out here and doing it at probably an even better level. Now he hasn't played a type of team like Notre Dame yet. You mentioned played an FCS opponent. Alabama or Florida A&M excuse me and he played Georgia State and then Appalachian State obviously so the defenses that he's faced I mean those defenses can be had and I think Notre Dame is a lot better than them but boy strong arm can put the ball anywhere accurate arm um, really sturdy guy that you know he's not known as a runner but he can get out and run a little bit and that kind of hurt Notre Dame with Jack Plummer and Cal this past weekend you know the the main reason that Cal was in that game in the second half, I think, was Plummer's leg being able to extend plays and, and keep a drive going. So Drake May can do all of that, and he's even better with his arm. You saw Plummer miss a lot of throws that, you know, I was sitting in the press box and I said, mm. man, that throw gets Cal <laughs> offense off the field and gets the Notre Dame defense off the field and puts Drew Pine back out there to, to maybe finally start doing some things, and they did. So Drake May hits those throws, which I think he does because the weapons around him are so good too. You know, Notre Dame could find itself in a hole early, and when we were talking earlier, I don't think Notre Dame has the the offense to want to play in a game like that where it's got to play catch up. So, if you're Notre, I mean, you saw it on Marcus Freeman's face today. If you're Notre Dame, you're absolutely worried about Drake May in that offense. And I mean, North Carolina is, is kind of a, a potent powerhouse offense. Again, the, the teams that they played. You'll bring them back down to earth. But, I mean, the Tar Heels went out and racked up, what was it, 450 yards, close to 500 yards against Notre Dame last year. 
and I think they're just as good. The quarterback play has not fallen off yeah. with Sam Howell going to the NFL, so it's, it's a tough and scary matchup on the road for Notre Dame. What's happening this week at Blue and Gold Illustrated, specifically blueandgold.com? Oh, tons, tons, tons. We're still recapping the Cal game. We've got a couple more things coming out. Um, I've been doing the thing where I try to dig into some film and really analyze a certain aspect of the game. So look for that Tuesday morning on blueandgold.com. Coworker Patrick Engel does a really good job with that. He put his rewatch out this morning and a lot of really insightful tidbits and stuff. And uh, a statistic or two that I probably used here because I, I love reading his stuff and he really digs into it. So we're covering Notre Dame like nobody else. And I can't believe we're already a quarter of the way through yes. this regular season. So no, no better time than now to pick up blueandgold.com, get there $1 for an entire year of premium access and, kind of enjoy the rest of the season with us. It's it's one that's turned into a season where you don't really know what, know what to expect, and I think that's the best time to kind of be engaged in a community like blueandgold.com because there's so much to talk about. Besides all the football talk, for you hockey geeks, there's actually a hockey theme on the message board right now with the USCHO.com preseason poll coming out. So if you're into hockey, there's a little thread already starting on the message board at blueandgold.com. Just a little added bonus to all the other very important things involving football right now. And Tyler, I will talk to you on the phone on Saturday as you'll be in Chapel Hill covering the game for Blue and Gold Illustrated. Tyler will co-host game day with me from noon until 2.30. Looking forward to chatting with you once again. Yeah, I can't wait, Darren. It's going to be a good time. All right. Safe travels to Chapel Hill. We'll talk to you then. All right. Thanks, Darren. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Tyler Horka. He is the Notre Dame football beat reporter at Blue and Gold Illustrated. You can check out his work, Patrick, Mike, all the crew at blueandgold.com. His colleague, Mike Singer, will join me tomorrow as we talk Notre Dame football recruiting here on WSBT Radio. 5.52 at WSBT. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 